Welcome back to the conclusion of the matter. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, as always. I'm joined by Ren and Ryan. I'm Robbie. Uh, and today we're going to be discussing a new topic, but Ryan, we'll kick it over to you to introduce that to us. Yeah, so today we're going to, thanks Robbie, uh, forgot to say that first, but <laughs> no uh, today we're going to <laughs> look at um, a topic that um, I think is important in today's society because of um, the the sheer number of religious organizations or denominations, whatever you want to call it, Ren, I think you said there are over 30,000 the last yeah, time you said? or the last time. Well, I read that in, what was it, Barrett's Encyclopedia, but then I recently heard another lesson, and I think the number that he gave was like 40. 40? Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we're going we're gonna to look at, um, it's probably something you may have come across when someone says, well, where do you go to church? Or... What denomination are you? And we're going to look at what church we actually belong to, um, that A, it's not a denomination, and B, it's we are what? We're Christians, mm-hmm. and we are members of the Lord's Church, um, but where do we get that information from? So we're going to look at what the church was in the New Testament, and that is what you should be following. Mm-hmm. So a um, couple things there that I think we're going to touch on are the organization we see, the governing of it, um, the time, the establishment of right. it, because that's a popular one was like, oh, well, we, we started in 15-whatever. Yeah. Um, also, some maybe some names that—and and Ren's going to say it's not really a name, which I agree <laughs> with, but— um, we use it as a as we right. use it as a name as a title, as, as a yeah. title but yeah. um, there are there are some titles or maybe ways that it is referred to in the New Testament, um, but also what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. it is something more than just us, right? Um, so I don't want to give too much away. Anything yeah. you guys want to add to that before no. we nope. dive in? Go ahead. So maybe we should start with um, the time aspect. Okay. You know. Um, we see that um, in it was uh, Matthew chapter sixteen where um, Jesus had approached the apostles and you know it was like well who do the people say I am and or the people say that you're you're Elijah or the prophet and and Jesus said to Peter well who do you say that I am and Peter's response was you are the Christ the Son of God mm-hmm. right and and Jesus said well you are Peter. And he said, but on this, I will build my church. And he's talking about that confession that Peter just made before that. On that establishment of faith is what his church was going to be built upon. So number one, we've already established the founder, the founder, which Mm -hmm. is one, I think one of the points you had, whose it is, it's, it's It's Jesus's, right? It's Christ. Um, and we are going to see probably a couple verses why it's his, but first of all, he says it's his. Right. Um, and there's no distinction. Uh, there's no other church. Right. Um, he didn't say, I'm going to build my churches. And people say, well, um, it says churches, plural, in the Bible. Well, Paul's usually talking about congregations at that right. point. So, like, just saying there's, the churches yeah, in a local area. But There's a drastic difference between congregations 
and churches. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at the denominational world, those are all, you might have several congregations of a specific denomination, but all of those denominations are different types of churches because they teach different things, they're organized different ways, they have different worship styles or what have you. But on all, almost all accounts, they are different, which of course makes them a distinct organization, which is why they separated and divided up because they wanted to be different. different. Yeah. Right. I think you hit the nail on the head that you can have like different groups or congregations, but that didn't mean that they believe drastically different yeah. things about like the core issues. You know, when Paul is writing his letters and, and Peter and the New Testament authors, when they were like writing letters to the churches, they would still have the same core beliefs. They were just correcting right you know, errors in different, you know, in their livelihoods, right. if you will. And, you know, same thing in Revelation when he's writing to the seven churches of Asia. You know, those were congregations right. that, yeah. that had the same core beliefs, but it wasn't a different denomination because, number one, the word didn't even exist. exist. Right. Yeah, the, clo- uh, the one thing I was saying, Paul even said, I, I teach the same thing in all the churches, right? right? Mm-hmm. And he, he made that statement. The closest thing we see is probably in First Corinthians chapter one with the whole right. divisions where, <laughs> but it still wasn't. But even then, that's within a single congregation. It, it, it was. Yeah. Very, very good mm-hmm. point. But there was that division among them, and that right. wasn't even different beliefs. It was just who they preferred as yeah. they wanted to follow, I guess, is right. how you would look at that. But going back to the establishment piece, Christ is going to do it. Um, and he told Peter he was going to give him the keys of the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. And I think later, I don't remember the verse, but I think he tells all the apostles that they're going to get the keys. Um, do you recall that? No. Okay. Not off the well, top we'll, of my head. We'll move on, and I'll try to find that as someone else is talking. But Well, it's just uh, important that the fact that he brings up in Matthew 16, 18, that he's building my church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't build Peter's church, John's, yeah. Mary's. Like, it was his church specifically. And, and, and I think it's critical to say that in the same breath, he refers to the kingdom. Yeah. And and we've right. referred to it multiple times that kingdom, church, and body, not to give my topics away, yeah. but they're all the same thing, right? right. And we're going to see when in Acts chapter—in in John, he tells them, you know, to stay in Jerusalem at the end of John. And then in, in Acts, it's recorded there that um, before he ascends that they need to stay in, Jeru- stay in the right. city— and they're going to be clothed with power on high, mm-hmm. from on high. And then we see that coming to fruition in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes on them. Peter is the main spokesman, but all of them are speaking. And he is now opening the gates to the right. kingdom right. with mm-hmm. the keys that Christ gave him. And it says, I think the New King James even says there in Acts chapter 2 that um, many were added to the, they were being added to the church. Yeah, Acts 2.47. Yeah, I think that... Um, the ESV, ESV says added to, to their number. Right, yeah. but if you keep going in Acts, we start to see the term church right. used regularly. And we see there in Matthew chapter 16 and then Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 18, Christ is using it there. Number one, I'm going to establish it. 18, he's, he's starting to say, okay, and the word really means... Um, assembly, but it's put. It's made up of two separate yeah. words that mean the called and out. Oh, yeah, and it means called out of the world, which is basically what the church is. Right. We're called out of out of out of the world, but we see the establishment done on the day of Pentecost in AD. What are we going to say? 30, AD thirty to thirty three. Okay, 
We'll we'll say that. Well, we could say thirty three. But it's not fifteen hundred. It's not yeah. eight hundred. It's not seventeen ninety three. Right. When all these other so called or even two thousand and one right. when New Age right. and all that stuff. Hmm. Ours has been not ours. Christ, the one we are members of, mm-hmm. has been established since the beginning of right. the New Testament. Right. I, I was just going to add um, that the book of Acts was written by Luke, and if you go to the end of Luke, like the thing that he leaves off with is the ascension. And if you go to Acts chapter 1, right in the middle, well, beginning in verse 9, Jesus ascends into heaven, you know, and that's recorded in Acts chapter mm-hmm. 1. And this wasn't one of those things where Jesus ascends at the end of the book of Luke and then comes back, he's like, oh, wait, I forgot my lunch, and then comes back to earth and then reascends. It's clearly like talking about the same event because you had the same author uh, in the same context mm-hmm. there. And then in chapter 2, after they were given that gift of the Holy Spirit, that's when Peter gave his sermon and the church right. is established. And Sorry for interrupting. Oh, no, you you're fine. You're fine. To me, one of the most important and, I guess, crucial things about uh, understanding like the timeline of the establishment of the church is in some of those things that y'all, some of those verses that y'all mentioned fit into this category as well, but the prophecies regarding the church, especially like I think about Old Testament prophecies. If you can remember three chapters, Isaiah 2, Daniel 2, Dole 2, those are three key chapters about the kingdom. Because in Isaiah and Joel, Isaiah says that it would come to pass in the latter days. Joel says that it would come to pass afterward that the mountain of the Lord's house would be established, that the word of the Lord was going to go from Mount Zion, which is Jerusalem. That's the mountain that Jerusalem was built upon. And then Daniel, he is interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the head of gold, the chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs legs of iron, feet part of iron, part of clay. And Daniel explicitly says that these represent four kingdoms. And in that, and during the time of that fourth kingdom, as he states in verses 44 and 45 of Daniel 2, that God was going to set up a kingdom which would not be destroyed. And when we look at the history of the world, well, those four kingdoms are Babylon, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, and then the Romans. So it was prophesied that during the time of the Romans, that God was going to establish his kingdom. And making that connection that you made, Ryan, in Matthew 16, 18, we see that connection between the church and the kingdom. So Isaiah and Joel are saying it's going to come to pass in the latter days. It's going to come to pass after. Even according to Daniel's prophecy, from their perspective, it was a long way off. But then when we get to the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2, When John the Immerser is preaching, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Christ teaches the same thing in Matthew 4 and verse 17. So we see the shift of language between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament, latter days, afterward, it's a long ways off. But New Testament, it's at hand. It's about to be here. Which goes back to what those passages that y'all just described, Matthew 16, 18, the end of Luke chapter 23 there, And it was all going to begin, and I think as we're looking at this, we're not only noticing the time, but also the place of its uh, origin, which is Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. That's what was prophesied by Isaiah. That's what was prophesied by Joel. That's what Christ told the apostles there in Luke chapter 23. And as you've already pointed out, Ryan, in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we see Christ making that same point that they were going to be witnesses beginning in Jerusalem. 
chapter 12, we see that they had returned to Jerusalem, which is where they are at the beginning of chapter 2 for the day of Pentecost. And so I think when we look at all of those prophecies and we put all those things together, we see not only the timeline of the establishment of Christ's church, but also the place. And when we compare that with so many, with every single one of the denominations that exist today, we see that they all originated with someone else in some other place and at some other time other than with Christ in Jerusalem in A.D. 33. Right, and even a popular uh, belief is that the, you know, what what is identified as the Church of Christ actually began in the Second Great Awakening in America in the uh, 1800s, yeah, yeah, during that restoration period uh, by by Campbell and, and Stone, uh, but this clearly, you know, would that the, from Daniel chapter two, it definitely couldn't have been that because it, you know, that's hundreds right. of years later. Yeah. And also, like we were, we were kind of talking about this this morning. I don't remember why, but <laughs> talking about the the feet of iron and clay being definitely had to have been Rome because Rome ended up being split into two parts, like an Eastern Roman Empire and a Western Roman Empire, especially as time went on, because the Eastern part became the Byzantine Empire. And it was kind of a blended culture there as well. So, and also, I, I don't know if you guys were planning to bring this up, but uh, we've talked on some other podcasts just about how perfect God's timing and His uh, His situation planning is. That the reason that it was Rome and, and in Jerusalem and all of these things taken into account, it was the perfect time, perfect place, perfect mm-hmm. everything for the church to be established because you could communicate really well because they could travel with Roman roads, but it was also, you know, obviously Christ had established all of those things. The apostles had everything, uh, well, Christ had right. given the apostles everything that they would have needed, and so uh, so it was the perfect situation for the church to be established because Christ throughout his life had given plenty of evidence through his miracles, his life, and his teachings, and now he's kind of passing the torch, so to speak, to the apostles to establish the church. Like, if that happened hundreds of years later, you know, after even a year or five years or ten years, people would have forgot about who Jesus was, and, and, you know, the church would have just fizzled out anybody that believed, and it would have never been established. Mm -hmm. It had to have been you know, more or less immediately after Christ had been here to lay that foundation. Right. And and you bringing up, I wanted to make another side point, uh, you bringing up especially Thomas and Alexander Campbell in the Restoration Movement. I'm sure the majority of church members who are, people who are members of the church have heard that we're Campbellites mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. of that nature. But the thing is, and I heard this point one time, and I think it's a great point, when people... I guess, accuse us of being Campbellites, ask them in return to name one single doctrine that originated with Alexander Campbell that we teach. Because I'll tell you this, there's not a single one. In mm-hmm. fact, I would say that the majority of members of the church have no idea who Alexander, Alexander Campbell, Campbell even Campbell is, taught. some of them. Yeah. yeah, Because we don't need to, because we have the scriptures. And that's kind of the whole point of this is we can know and understand what the one true church is, not because of what men say, but just simply by looking at the scriptures. And that's how we can identify it. It doesn't matter what Thomas Campbell did or Alexander Campbell or Barton W. Stone or any of those other men did. 
And in fact, there's things that they did that I don't think were right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And even I'll just leave the, that. <laughs> yeah, even the historical context of those is they would have been part of this religious movement that was in America called the Second Great Awakening. And even a lot of the beliefs in the Second Great Awakening were kind of antithetical to what what the churches of Christ uh, generally believe on on a lot of things. And the whole purpose, well, a lot of the churches end up, almost every church around the time of the Civil War ends up splitting over the issue of slavery also, uh, and not per se the Church of Christ, but generally like churches of the North and churches of the South. Obviously, the, a lot of the churches of the mm-hmm. South were fine with keeping slavery, and churches in the North generally wanted to be more abolitionist. And so a lot of churches split on that issue. Um, but there's, you know, again, kind of back to your point a minute ago, Ren, is like if you bring up any of this to anybody that's within the church, you know, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> uh, and some of them haven't even heard of Campbell and Stone and, yeah. you know, much well, much less their yeah. theology. And I think there's evidence uh, within, I don't know if it's the United States, but I, I believe there's evidence within Europe, like archaeological, historical evidence that shows in essence the church yeah existed as it yeah. as we as practiced today and as we see in the new testament existed like in the 15th 16th century mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in europe which was a couple hundred years before thomas and alexander campbell yeah right? and i think i had a book and actually terry borrowed it because it had an interesting article in it about a guy that traced that back and found what would can be what we would call the church of christ yeah. in germany that in that time frame, yeah. and it's like, well, if it started here, right. how did it exist there before, before it started? Yeah, here. yeah. So, um, the time and the creator, I, just and for the place, time, yeah. and the place, yeah. uh, the time for time's sake, moving on. I want to uh, get to how do I identify it with, um, I guess what it does, its work and its and its worship, um, how we worship. And, and the work that it does. So I think we can look at things like, well, why do you partake of the Lord's Supper every week? Well, we believe that according to Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, mm-hmm. when Paul came there, he stayed because it says when they gathered on the first day of the week to break bread, that was when they did mm-hmm. it. And we can kind of see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he's talking about the Lord's Supper when they came together. Um, why do we give? And we you can listen to our podcast uh Last week, last week, last yeah. week for giving, and um, you know we touched on that. First Corinthians chapter sixteen on the first day of every week, as you've prospered, um, you know, Paul tells Timothy, you know, First um, Timothy is about how to act in the household of God, you know, and and he talks about multiple things there. We'll get to the the organizational structure mm-hmm. there, but um, you know, he talks about make sure that they that he sees to the. Um, public reading of the scripture and to teach, be ready in season, out of season to preach. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we see that the early church did and not, not just in the word uh, and, and singing and, and praying and all that and singing without instruments. And we did a couple yeah. of podcasts on yeah. that. If you want to go back and listen to the specifics of that. Um, but we have, where do we get our instruction from mm-hmm. the new Testament? Right. And I think that's the difference between, us saying, well, all of our all of our authority. Now there are expedients right. like songbooks. You're not going to find the word songbooks in right. here. Um, you're not going to find PowerPoint in mm-hmm. here. But it aids us. But it in doesn't add. To, but it doesn't yeah. add to it. Right. Right. Um, in yeah, in keeping the command. Um, 
So there are things that we do, and you may say, well, why do you do it? Well, we do it because not because somebody came up with the idea and we've just done it for tradition-wise. Mm-hmm. We've done it because we have example right. in the New Testament. And the other thing I was going to add there real quick was the early— I know people call them the church, the apostolic church fathers or whatever. They write a lot of this stuff. Not that they were inspired, but they were there in the first mm-hmm. century and at the end of the at the end of the first century, the beginning of the second century. And this is how the church worked. Right. We don't see the the going away from that until years and years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you making that point reminds me just of the importance of Bible authority because that's mm-hmm. really where this whole discussion whether it be in relation to the church or worship, that's really where any discussion regarding religion rests. Because as Paul talks about Galatians 1, 6 through 10, to not turn to any other gospel. In 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 15, he says to hold fast to the traditions that were delivered to them, whether it be by their word or by letter. And of course, they are what he's talking about are the doctrines and teachings of the apostles. And so there is that principle of, we need to do what they did. And if we do, then we'll be what they were. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I don't I don't really like using this saying when we're talking about the church because I feel like it, I don't know, it's an inadequate comparison. But it's that, that saying, if it, if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, what is it? It's a duck. If the church that we attend is organized and worships, and does everything exactly as the scriptures say, then what is it? It's the church of the Bible. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think if if the Apostle Paul walked in to your worship service, mm-hmm. would he recognize it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. You ask somebody from the first century if they recognize right. our worship service, well, yeah, this is exactly what we did. Or well, what's that? Yeah. You know, and it's, um, that's, that's what we try to you right. want to emulate what Christ set up. You don't want to emulate something he didn't mm-hmm. set up. Um we also did you have something on the worship aspect, Robert? A little bit. I I just think it's important to simplify, you know, kind of all of this. It doesn't matter what individual person or what what a certain group uh group has to say about worship. It just matters what we read about in God's word and what the early church actually did. Um, and it even reminded me, I didn't know if you guys were going to, uh, bring up first Corinthians chapter three, where he, where, uh, where Paul's talking about members saying, I am of Paul and I'm of Apollos. Um, and then in verse five, it says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom who you believed as the Lord gave to each one. So kind of in a modern sense, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter about these people that are following like Luther or mm-hmm. Calvin or, you know, Booth, right. fill in the blank with whoever past, present or future person you're trying to emulate. It matters what what God had expected of them in the early church and being as close to that as you possibly right. can, whether that be in your life, whether that be uh, in worship or anything, just in life in general. Um, and I forget the other thing I was going to say. Um but maybe I'll think about it in a little bit. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to touch on there was the work of the church. Um, the the church we find in the New Testament, we can find examples of, obviously, evangelism. You see that in the entire book of Acts, where they go out mm-hmm. and they preach. And Jesus told them that was their that was the command he left them with, right? right. Go mm-hmm. and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
that that is the work one of the works of the church and we see paul going on missionary journeys um in the book of acts as well we see edification we see you know the general epistles we see paul's epistles it's mm-hmm. it's not only encouraging them sometimes it's correcting them so that's a work of the church um, and then benevolence, you see that in Acts, mm-hmm. you see that in mm-hmm. John. John talks about it in First John about having the world's goods. James talks about it as well. So it's another thing of being willing to share with others. I mean, we have, we can do it ourselves. The church can do it. I, I know some people believe that the church shouldn't do certain things like use the church treasury for that. Right. But I, I, I always think back and you look at Jesus and the apostles, they had a money bag. Mm-hmm. And the and it de- it never really comes out and says they used it, but the example was given the time when Mary was using or was it Martha was using the spike nard, and Judas is like we could have sold it and gave it to the poor. Mm-hmm. Now he didn't really want to, but that right. tells me that it probably was done at some yeah. point to where they used their treasury fund, and they weren't the church. That's not what I'm trying right. to say, but they did use a communal fund to probably right. help the poor. And James, you know, talks about pure religion is part of the pure mm-hmm. religion is to visit right. not orphans not go see but see to the needs of right. orphans and widows. Yeah. Um so the church has that responsibility. Right. And kind of well I'll go back to what I mentioned that I think I think some of the things that Alexander Campbell did and supported were wrong. I thought that's all you were going to say. Well, <laughs> it was, but then you you started going off on the benevolence thing and so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get into it. Uh one of the things that they had was something called the Missionary Society, which was, in in essence, it was a separate organization. It was not overseen by any congregation or eldership or anything. It was just a group of people that, in essence, ended up taking over the aspect of the work of the church of evangelism. And it basically absolved individuals and local congregations of any responsibility. And not only that, the Missionary Society, in turn, ended up pretty much exercising authority over those local congregations and told those local congregations what they were going to do and how they were going to evangelize. Which, when we look at the New Testament system, God gave us the organization for evangelism and edification and benevolence, it's his church. Now, I'm not saying that benevolent organizations are entirely wrong, but, I mean, I I can't remember which one it was. I I don't remember the name of it. I know that there was one, I think it was in somewhere down south. I can't remember the name of it, but they, it was a benevolent organization, but it was overseen by an eldership. It was not like a separate entity that was operating of its own volition, of its own will, without any oversight, because that's what God designed the church to to do do. Mm -hmm. and to be. And so we don't need those outside organizations to accomplish that work, Mm -hmm. because if we did, then that kind of defeats the whole purpose of having the church, if we could just do it in all of those separate ways, which is what the missionary society was. It outsourced the work of the church to that other organization that was not overseen, had real no real accountability, and that, again, defeats the whole purpose of the church. God designed the church, as you're pointing out, to evangelize, to edify, and to be benevolent. 
Now, of course, there's different facets of that, and I think you alluded to that. It can be on a congregational level. Mm -hmm. Congregations can work with one another. We see that in the New Testament, and of course, on an individual level also. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that was, my that two was the whole point of the collection there in First Corinthians right. chapter sixteen, and the churches of right. Galatia all over mm -hmm. was to help f sister congregations. Yeah. Um, did you have anything on the work, Robbie? Um, all I was going to say is that we're obviously not critiquing like the individual, like yeah. Luther and Calvin and, and all of those folks. And the fact of the matter is, on the majority of of Scripture, their interpretation is generally fairly correct on a mm -hmm. lot of things. Our point here is that we shouldn't base our whole theology based on something that one person right. has said, unless that one person right. is Christ. Uh, so unless it's something that we see in Scripture, we shouldn't just take uh, man's interpretation mm -hmm. for it. Absolutely. And, um, and that's just yeah, kind of all I there think, is to it. I think, what, I think what you're getting at there is we shouldn't add a new work to the church if mm -hmm. we can't find example yeah. of it, yeah. apostolic example. Well, and that goes back to kind of what we've been talking about. It's not the church's job to entertain you, mm -hmm. which is why within congregations, churches of Christ, you'll sometimes hear about gymnasiums or whatever it may be, because those things are meant for recreation and for entertainment. That's not the place of the church. That's the place of the home. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we can fellowship, and I know we do things together as a church. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not the purpose, purpose. of the church to fund and supply people with entertainment. A lot of, um, well, we. Uh, I was talking with one of my coworkers. He uh, was talking about another conversation that he had with uh, some people that they played, like, in a church softball league or something mm -hmm. with, and a lot of times he'll go up and, like, ask them, you know, hey, what's y'all's preacher's name? And like some of them be like, uh, like they'll, have, they'll like have no idea. They're just like, man, I'm here to play softball. Um, but um, it kind of reminds me of a more important point that like a lot of people when they have biblical questions, instead of going to like God's word itself, who do they often turn to? They turn like to a preacher, a preacher, or a pastor, pastor. Or, yeah. or someone. They turn to a person rather than going back to God's word. Um, and sometimes those those people may go to God's word for that answer. But that's kind of what was a big problem during the Middle Ages after after Roman collapse and everything. The the church, the Catholic Church at the time, kind of became this quote unquote center for knowledge and also like the source of religion. And so over time it became one of those things where only only like priests and only the clergy in the Catholic Church were kind of smart enough, if you will, to interpret scripture where common people wouldn't interpret scripture they would go to that person that's kind of what began that precedent uh until until the bible began to be more frequently printed uh and so i think similarly today like a lot of people just rely on the religious leadership to interpret scripture instead of going to right. find that answer for themselves because a lot of the answers that they may get may be along the lines of well it's just how it's always been done right. and not anything yeah. that's per se directly from scripture yeah. commanded by god yeah. they all Oh, I was yeah. gonna say they also don't always look at scripture. They no. look at man-made, written, yeah, right. creed and stuff. And that's kind of the direction I was going too. That's why we have so many denominations and so much division, because they don't always look at what the scriptures teach. They look at their confession of faith. They look mm -hmm. at what you know, whoever it is that they follow, 
And sometimes taught. they can be from like uninspired sources too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, most of them are if they're yeah. not from the Bible. Right. Yeah, true. <laughs> oh, yeah, by uh, I mean, actually, all of them are yes. if they're not from the Bible. But anyway, yeah, I uh, meant like you know, uninspired like other like other things that they think should be part of the Bible, like the Apocrypha and some oh, other different okay. things like oh, that yeah, is what okay. I mean. Yeah. Like that they may be getting an answer okay. from. Um, so you guys touched on a little bit. Ren touched on authority. Mm-hmm. You touched on the term pastor, so I wanted to jump to the um, organization. organization of the church. I see we see in Acts chapter fourteen on Paul's missionary journey. First journey he went to Lystra, Iconium, Derby, and then he circled back. And on his way back through, we see there in chapter fourteen, verse twenty-three. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believe. And then we see in Titus chapter 1, verse 5, Paul writes to Titus, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in, into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So the eldership is the, what I would say, the authority of the congregation. Not saying they overrule Christ. That's right. not what I'm saying. Right. But there is a, a position of authority in the plural. Yeah. And this is where it started. And then you can see church history where... Mm-hmm. Then Constantinople and Rome both said, well, we got the main elder, yeah. and then they fought for who was the chief elder, and then we eventually get to the papacy, right? right so right. I know that's a short way of getting there, yeah. but we started with a collection of men, and it's not just—and it is men. That's the other thing right. I want to jump to is the qualifications we find in First Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. And, and in First Timothy, we also see qualifications for another group of men called deacons, mm-hmm. which is— not necessarily the leadership, but they are chosen to serve over certain capacities. Right. They do have some leadership capabilities, but they're not the elders, right. the shepherds, the presbyters, the pastors, mm-hmm. which is another term. That's the term pastor. that's used a lot of yeah. times wrong in the fact that there's a, there's a chief pastor at, the, at this church, yeah. and that's not how it's no. supposed to be. No. Um, the chief pastor, the chief shepherd is Christ, so... I mean, if you really want to right. go there, we do have a cheap shepherd. It's Jesus. But right. Well, and just to hit on that word pastor a little more, what the word pastor means is shepherd, mm-hmm. which when we look at, again, going back to the book of Acts, but Acts 20 and verse 7, and I think this kind of relates back to the point, or verse, uh, not verse 7, 28, relates back to your point that you were making just a second ago, that the elders are in a position of authority and, and leadership, uh, Paul, spoke, speaking to the Ephesian elders, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers or shepherds mm-hmm. uh, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So we see that connection between shepherds and overseers or elders, bishops, bishops. and it's all referring to the same same position, if you will, within the church, and they are there, as you pointed out, to lead the church mm-hmm. and to protect the flock, which is what he said there, right? right. And um, so, if you if you have a chief pastor, or you have one pastor or elder, whatever you want to call them, um, are you following the New Testament, or do you report to an organization? That's the other thing we see here yeah. is that he he did it in every. Church, church, they they right. went back, and and then in Titus he he told them to establish it in every town, meaning mm-hmm. the towns that had right. congregations, right? right. Um, so nowhere, would, nowhere do we see like a earthly universal organization right. of the yeah, church. Yeah, that's where I was yeah. going. Is mm-hmm. the fact that there is no each church is autonomous right. in that fact that 
the eldership here at Collinsville answers to Christ. They don't right. answer to the, the eldership at Arnold or right. West End or anything like that. They may have friends that are elders and discuss it and, yeah. Yeah, and say, well, how do you guys, what would you guys, right. and because they're, they're part of the qualifications are not novices, right? right. They've seen a lot. They've done right. a lot. Um, but also one can't tell the other what to do. Right. And they're yeah. agreed. And there's not, um, there's plural, which we pointed out, right. but also I think it's important that you see an eldership is they may not always agree, but they will agree and what I mean by that is they may not all think the same answer is the right answer, but they will come to a conclusion and agree that that is the best for it. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? A good example yeah. would be like, you know, if eldership has the authority to distribute like money for the mm-hmm. work of the church. You know, this eldership may think that it should go to this cause. This eldership may think that it should go to that cause. They may both be right, but they can't tell you know, another eldership that this yeah, is But I was even talking within, within an individual. A, a someone eldership. may say, yeah. I want, I think it needs to go here, but the, right. the majority says this, they will, to be right. a solid True. eldership, right. they would become to yeah. an agreement, even though initially there may not have been, is my yeah. point. So right. maybe I didn't say that right, but they would come to an agreement that, right. and not, not be, you know, argumentative about it and mm-hmm. not be, I'm right, you're wrong. Right. But, um, so there is a, proper organization that Christ wanted established, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. It's not, well, we're going to establish this layer and then this layer, and then they report to somebody in, as you pointed out, an earthly head, earthly headquarters right. over across the sea or even here in right. the United States. There's plenty that have a P.O. box, and you go to a large, you know, you have a, a yearly convention yeah. or whatever. Well, and, yeah, that's what I was about to bring up, too. There's mm-hmm. so many denominations that will have a yearly convention where it's this is what we're deciding for this denomination for the year. This is the direction that we're going. This is what we're going to be teaching. We're going to change yada. our views yeah. on this, whereas right. this is not that I'm pointing right. to my Bible, but it's this is not going to change. Yeah. So good points. Um, anything on the organization? I just think it's important to not have, I mean, generally single rulers, if it's not Christ, of course, or mm-hmm. generally a bad rule of thumb and, you know, the Catholic Church isn't necessarily the only one that's like right. that, you know, yeah. Orthodox, right. like there's others too. Um, and it, But specifically like the Catholic Church historically, it's just led to so many different problems. Like you, re- you uh, alluded to uh, the competition between Constantinople and Rome. And then sometime during the, I think it was the 1400s or so, but sometime in the late Middle Ages, you had... Uh, what was called the Avignon Papacy, which where you had kind of like a pope in in France, and then mm-hmm. you had a pope in, in Rome, and they were both saying, "Well, I'm the pope," kind of thing. And yeah. I mean, it just always leads to like division and problems when you base the your entire religion on mm-hmm. the word of a single person, yeah. and you never like see that throughout Scripture. Like it wasn't it wasn't because Paul said it or because Peter said it or this prominent you know apostle. It was because of the example that the church as a whole set, uh, right. but again, under the leadership of elderships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, I wanted to jump to names um, and going back to Ren's original point that this was, it's more of a title and it shows whose it is, right? right? And there are, in the United States, typically the Church of Christ is what you will see mm-hmm. that what... But not every church that has that on their board is following mm-hmm, the New right, Testament true, pattern right. either. So I can't say just go to any Church of Christ and you'll be good. I mean, there are some that, right. that don't follow that pattern. Um, we could call ourselves the Church of God. I mean, that's yeah. in that's in the New Testament. The, the problem with that is in our 
other other denominations use something similar right. to that. Um, so the name is just, I mean, it's just indicative of whose it is. Right. It's not like a denomination name. It's nothing, um, nothing. I think the name in and of itself, we could change it outside as long as it follows something we find in the yeah. Scripture, the household of God, the church of the firstborn, right. the Lord's church, anything like that, as long as it, it, it is not, I don't think, number one, we want it to draw attention because right. it's not ours. It's the Lord still, yeah. and that's really what it is. That's the whole purpose of the Church of Christ. Right. right, and even the fact that if probably if we went back and listened to our podcast, like think of how many times we referred to ourselves as the Church of Christ mm-hmm. versus like us and, you know, when we're having these conversations, most of the time we just say the Church. Right. Or, uh, you know, if you ask somebody within the Church of Christ, you know, you know, what they are or, or whose they are or whatever, they wouldn't tell you they're from the Church of Christ. A lot of times they'll tell you that, you know, we're Christians right? or, you know, something similar. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, what kind of Christian, Robbie? Yeah, well, exactly. Well, <laughs> Just a Christian. That's all that it is. That's it. Um, real quick, I wanted to—did you have anything else no, on you that? I know we're— Go ahead. I, I predicted 38 minutes, and we're at 40, so or almost 41, so mm-hmm. I apologize. But anyway, um, I want to end with a verse in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, 19 and 20. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And the key point of there, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the, the cornerstone, which I think Robbie alluded to earlier that our our doctrine or our what we follow is based upon what we find here by the apostles and, what, and Christ telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. So that's where we base it from. Um, and if your church isn't found there, maybe find the one yeah. that's there. Right. Right. It doesn't matter who's right. It matters what's right. And again, like you brought up a few minutes ago, it doesn't, it isn't always indicative of the name the on name, the building because, right. you know, there's, there's several churches of Christ that aren't following what God's right. word has to say, yeah. unfortunately. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that the label doesn't matter. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. a, again, it's a description of, mm-hmm. of it's who the, we're founded who we by and kind of a summary and the traits mm-hmm. they're doing. Right. Exactly. Are they following the pattern? So anyway, so I thank you for joining again. Um, we always appreciate you guys listening. I love hearing people say that, Hey, I like that episode. Not because of praise, but because you're getting something out of it, just right. like we are, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, you know, we're, you share it with your friends, man. Yeah. That's the, that's, what'd you say? How many? 30? We're at 3,100 3, plays 3,100 plays. I mean, that's, that's, that's. Which I think last week we had just got to 3,000, right? Something like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But it was, yeah. So thanks again. You can reach us at the uh, conclusion of the matter at yahoo.com and on Facebook. Like us, share us, comment to us. But I think for now we can say we have reached the conclusion, conclusion of the matter. matter.